Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Alexandria, Virginia is Crystal Jazerski, Senior Managing Director at Guidepost Solutions. And today we're going to be talking about compliance frameworks, regulations, and how to manage things. First, Crystal, thank you for taking some time out of your morning to talk to us today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. As am I, this is a topic that you know, seems to just keep evolving. Now, at this point, there's a lot of frameworks and guidances out there for compliance programs. We just saw the latest from the DOJ a few months ago. Do you think compliance teams have enough now or do we still need more? I think they have enough. <laughs> I think <laughs> there are a lot of frameworks out there and I think they're all very helpful and instructive and certainly to the extent to which they reflect the uh, authors of those frameworks evolving understanding of best practices around compliance and the elements that really go into an effective compliance program, that's great. What I think there's actually a greater need for are more opportunities to benchmark and, and, and more opportunities to share and uh, apply and test how are programs, how are chief compliance officers really implementing and executing on a lot of these frameworks. I know when I was in-house working as a compliance professional, what I always found most helpful was understanding what other people were doing in terms of the practices that they were designing and using and applying to literally apply and execute what a lot of these frameworks uh, want to um, encourage you to do. Well, you know, to your point, I got to say, when you go to our conferences, you know, one people are there to see what others are doing, you know, formally at the presentations that they're making, but also just sitting there and talking with each other and the ability to hear what others are doing is just extraordinarily valuable. And you can see how much benefit people are getting from that. Now, as strong as all the frameworks are that are out there, there are new issues that arise regularly. Do you feel as if the frameworks we have are flexible enough or do we need something else? I do think that they are. And the reason why is that I think in all of the frameworks you see, uh, and, and they all are, articulate things in a bit of a different way. They all have their own kind of nomenclature, but all of them incorporate the idea of a risk assessment. And in my view, that is the key to really making sure you're able to keep your, your program up to date. And the reason for that is because if you're doing a risk assessment effectively, you're always taking into account what are the new issues that are out there in the world? What's going on around me? Where are uh, Where is enforcement going? What are some of the new enforcement actions? Or you know, how could any of us all miss what's been going on with AI this year? So when you're doing an effective risk assessment, you're always looking externally in terms of what factors can impact you. And then you're also looking regularly at what is your company doing? What is your business doing? And how does your how does the business part of your company, how do they actually do business? How do they go to market? Which partners do they use? What tools do they use? So when you're doing that regularly, you're always going to bring in the new things that are happening around you. And so that then creates the the, the sort of the application framework, not to overuse that term, but, um, but the way in which you're executing and applying and implementing your program, that's what allows you to bring these new issues into it, to assess them, to understand if you need new policies and procedures, identify new stakeholders, things like that. 
And you made a point there, you know, compliance doesn't happen in a vacuum. It really happens uh, through interactions with all these various stakeholders out there. Which ones do compliance teams need to reach out to when looking to put in place a solution for a new legal and regulatory challenge? Is there a set list or does it tend in your mind to be issues based? It's a little bit of, bo of both in my uh, experience. So there's your your um, your standard partners who, in my view, are uh, HR, internal audit, your finance partners, um, uh, essentially your whoever manages your technology and your information governance those are your standard partners that you should always have a good strong relationship with and be regularly partnering with and sharing information but with respect to um uh other um issues it really is issue based and um i think uh it's issue based and then it you have to look to who are the business partners or the business leaders that those issues impact the most and um, then you need to really engage them. The other partner that I think is um, we're seeing it evolve in terms of uh, how people understand just how significant their partnership is, is dealing with the board. The board can be a tremendous partner for compliance and I've seen them actually be a more effective um, and more engaged partner in compliance sometimes than the C-suite is even. So when you're looking at certain issues where you really need that C-suite engagement and involvement, um, uh, that, that board engagement is really helpful, quite frankly, to get the C-suite's attention in terms of what's important. If you have the board support, there's nothing obviously better than that. Um, but how do you keep the board up to date and involved without overdoing it? I mean, how do you, how do you keep them and also leadership for that matter uh, up to date on the evolution of the response? Right. So with respect to the board, uh, as the chief compliance officer or the, the, the leading, the top, the leader of the compliance program, you should already have a relationship with the board. And if you don't, I think that that's, that's something that you that's one thing that I think you need to think about and 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 address and deal with with respect to where your your program is within the company structure. But if you have that relationship and you uh, are uh, talking to in particular the audit committee or, or uh, the audit committee chairman or someone on the audit committee, uh, you should be talking to that person pretty regularly. For in my opinion, the best practice is you should be having a conversation with the chair of the audit committee before every board meeting. And then you should also be presenting to the audit committee at every board meeting. It doesn't have to be a two hour presentation, but you should always be providing an update on where the compliance program is. If you're doing those things, you're already giving them literally an update on where the program is. So you should be talking about emerging issues always and how you are addressing those emerging issues, the steps you're taking to better assess how they impact your company and your compliance program, and uh, the steps you plan to take to ultimately make any changes to the program or add new uh, aspects or elements to it in order to address those emerging issues. Whenever there's an ongoing conversation, invariably there's a call for metrics. So what key performance indicators or KPIs should be set to measure progress? Again, this is one of those that certainly depends on the issue itself, um, and it also depends on, I think, you know, which part of the business it impacts. But you want to be looking at things like, um, particularly, I think, when you're standing up a new issue, 
you want to be looking at things like training. Um, what types of conversations are you having in terms of people calling, uh, whether it's your helpline or your hotline, whatever channel people can call to ask questions about a program and, and, and a new program in particular and how it works or how to address a new issue. Um, uh, not just not only trainings, but also um, opportunities for communication uh, with um, uh, both business leaders, functional leaders, functional teams, and then going out into the field and the business itself, the number of people that you're able to speak with and communicate a new program, a new aspect of your program. Those are all uh, significant and helpful. And then once you've got a few months or maybe a year be, uh, behind you in terms of standing up a new part of your program, then being able to look at your, uh, your hotline and your allegations and your um, investigations or reviews to see what you're learning there in terms of how folks understand a new program. And it's the same for internal audit as well, really leveraging internal audit and then um, looking at internal audit and what they're seeing in terms of auditing and how folks are internalizing new uh, new compliance programs or new elements of your of your program and then taking that data and turning those into the metrics that tell, give you the trends on how uh, how folks in your company are understanding uh, their compliance responsibilities well speaking of new trends and what's new going on. What do you think is the next thing that compliance team should be worried about? Well, um, at risk of, 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 uh, of jumping on the bandwagon here with everyone else, but um, you know, I, it, I, I can't overstate just how much folks are trying to understand AI and to one ex to a certain extent, you know, some forms of AI have been around for a long time. So for those companies that have been using it, it's not that new to them, but these new uses and these new forms and the commercialization of AI and really, you know, opening it up for your average consumer to be able to use uh, and just turning it into something that is more of a product than it has been in the past, just, I think has opened up the floodgates in terms of the rest of the world now trying to understand how parts of their business might be using AI in a way that they hadn't in the past. And also how it can be used as a tool for compliance as well um, to make compliance programs more effective. So I think folks just trying to get their hands around what that means and, 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 and where to go from here. I, I think that's, that's most definitely and from what I can see, the, the biggest next next thing, as they say. Well, just because a lot of people have also said it like you, it doesn't mean it's any less of an issue. I mean, it's definitely one that's creeping up. It's not even creeping up. It's leaping all over the place at this point. And I don't think people fully understand yet what it means and what the compliance risks are. And we've certainly seen enough bad AI-driven behavior uh, to give compliance and ethics folks quite a lot to do for the next few years. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.